0: Today's second reading is also Pastor Solberg's sermon text in which we are told to exercise self-control and discipline in all things. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth but we an imperishable so i do not run aimlessly i do not box as one beating the air but i discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others i may i myself should be disqualified this is the word of the lord today we uh, finish this sermon series on the fruit of the spirit and they're all they're all listed here i i don't know why self control came off as a banana But it did. Now, there are nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit and only eight weeks. So we're stuck with two today gentleness and self-control. And I'm going to leave gentleness to your imagination because I want to talk to you about self-control. Now, when St. Paul in, in Galatians listed the fruit of the Spirit, he didn't do that in isolation. He listed those as a contrast to other behavior. He listed this stuff as contrast to the kind of behavior that most folks were doing. And Paul calls those things the the works of the flesh. Now here's what he talked about. The works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication. And in these lists, sins of sex always come first. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like that there. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that list is contrasted to that list. This is the list we don't want to do as Christians. That's what we are as Christians. Now, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that in the ancient world, very few people were were teaching morals and ethics. Certainly most of the religions of that time didn't treat talk about morals and ethics and standards. Some philosophers did, but the things that the philosophers did never got down to the common man. Uh, Mr. Burns... In the, anybody watch The Simpsons? Not very many of you. One. Thank you, Aaron. Well, Mr. Burns and The Simpsons caused those people Joe Lunchbucket. Right? And so in the first century, the, the, the teachings of the philosophers never got down to Joe Lunchbucket, never got down to the man in the street. And nobody was teaching them morals and values and ethics. So this list that I just read Was really a description of the values of people of that day. There was just enough morals to keep people from killing each other, I guess. Now, people who lived like that, that, some of them became Christians. They heard the preaching of the gospel, they heard that Christ had died for their sins. They heard that there was forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ, and they gave their lives to Christ Jesus. They confessed him as Lord and Savior, and they were baptized, and they received the Holy Spirit, and they were born again the whole nine yards. They became Christians. But the old ways came back like a bad rash. And they quickly slid back into the old ways of of action. All the stuff that I read just now, they went back to that. And Paul put together this list to show them what the Christian life really looks like as opposed to those things. And then he said this at the very end. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's what the Christian life is about. All you folks who do all that bad stuff, because you have become Christians... You have crucified the flesh with all those passions and all those desires and they should not control you anymore. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago also that this stuff is not natural. We don't do this stuff naturally. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But it is true that one of them self control Was highly valued in the Greek life, in Greek, in Greek philosophy, in Greek teaching. Self control was wonderful, and the reason is this: I think that the philosophers, these high class people, people who didn't work, they sat around all day and thought. They looked at Joe Lunchbucket, and they saw how he was 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 led by his passions and desires, all the terrible things he was doing. And they didn't want to be like that. They wanted to be free of passion and desire. They wanted a life of reason. A life that was calm all the time, all the time, all the time. And the way you got that was self-control. Self-control made you very different from the man in the street. And so there were schools of philosophy that embraced self-control. And one of them was a Stoic. You ever hear of the Stoics? When you think of somebody who is a Stoic, right? nothing bothers them. Nothing upsets them. Everything is always the same. Whether it's good or bad, life is like this. And the Stoics taught that an educated person, a good person, is this way, has self-control in all things. And whatever happens in life, It does not bother you. So, um, when the British say, keep a stiff upper lip. Ever heard that? What does that mean? It means don't cry. It means whatever is happening to you, don't let us see any emotion at all. Just keep a stiff upper lip. Always the same, regardless of what happens. When a father says to his son, now son, big boys don't cry you ever heard that? Big boys don't cry. That's the teaching of the Stoics. Nothing upsets you. Always the same. Don't show your emotions. Well, if big boys don't cry, what about our Lord Jesus Christ? The most manly man that ever there was. As he stood before the tomb of his good friend Lazarus, Jesus wept. Yes, grown men cry. When I taught confirmation class, right, when I taught and she'll tell you this is true, I said, now, don't marry a man who won't cry. I teach that. I teach it today. Don't marry a man who won't cry because he'll stuff it all down inside of himself. He'll be a stoic. He won't share himself with you. If you've got a husband who will cry with you, grab him. But it wasn't, it wasn't just the stoics. When we were in Japan, when we were in Japan, I went, I went once to a public bath, a coed public bath. Can you imagine that? They had them. These big public baths with, with um, you, could, you could go and soak in various kinds of water. I did. I went to one of those. I did, Will. <clears throat> and um, I was there one day, and there was this pool that I thought, "Gee, that looks really exciting. I'm going to go and try that." Well, I put my foot in, and it was so incredibly hot. I pulled my foot out. I couldn't hardly believe it. And right behind me came this old Japanese gentleman. He just came and he slid right in as if it was nice and cool. He had learned self-control. The temperature of the water didn't bother him at all. He could do that. I couldn't do that. But we Christians, we, we want to have moral excellence. Not because we think we're better than Joel Lunchbucket. Because we are Christians. And the Christian faith does want to transform your life. The, tra- the Christian faith wants to give you morals and values and standards that are pleasing to God. And one of the ways you get that is self-control. And self-control is hard. There was another place in the Bible. Can I have the next slide, please? Another place in the Bible where St. Paul talked about self-control, and that's here in 1 first, in first Corinthians chapter 9. Now, Before I read from that, I want to read for you what, what church life was like in Corinth. I just had this big list of sins in, in, in the Galatian churches. Now, here's their church in Corinth. You're going to love this. Fornicators, see, the sex, the sex sins always come first. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, robbers none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul writes, and this is what you were. That's what they were. But you were washed. Baptism. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. See, that's what life was like in the early church. That's the, the values of people that they, that they had. And so they had to learn to overcome all of those things that they used to do. And Paul uses this, uh, this example of, of sports. Every two years, uh, near the city of Athens, there was a kind of an Olympic Games. They weren't the Olympics. They were called the Isthmian Games. And people knew about the Isthmian Games. And so Paul uses this analogy from from sports. Do you not know? What does that mean? You know. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So you run, that you may obtain it. And then this. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Is that right? An athlete exercises self-control. If you wanted to play on the Razorback football team, could you go to practice once in a while? Could you go to the gym once in a while? No, you couldn't. In fact, you had to do push-ups so it made major sweat. You had to do all kinds of stuff. You had to discipline yourself. You want to play basketball for the hogs? What do you do? Go to practice. You do 50, 60 laps because you have to practice self-control. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So in the same way that athletes exercise self-control, we must exercise self-control. Matt, in the work that you do, there's a lot of self-control in that, isn't there? when you teach people to coach the guy or help the guy who went to the Olympics this past year. Self-control is hard. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Jesus said, you have to deny yourself and follow me. Now, the hardest person to say to deny is your own self. It's hard to say no to yourself, isn't it? Have you ever tried to say no to yourself yourself? It's hard. I can tell you no and hope you do it. But if I tell me no, I don't like that. And oftentimes I won't do that. And yet Jesus said if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and and take up your cross and follow me. I want to read you a story about about self control and denying yourself. Uh, It's called The Race. Cross-country. Anybody run cross-country? Oh, okay. Cross-country is a sport where the race comes in only two distances. Too long and way too long. (laughs) Is that right? Too long and way too long. My daughter Sarah decided to join the cross-country team in her junior year of high school. She had not even run around the block before the first practice. They went 8 miles that first day on the way home in the car her eyes were glazed over and she just quit she just kept mumbling to herself I won't quit I won't quit I won't quit and she didn't through several weeks of practice she struggled and suffered and prepared that first for that first meet and her goal her goal was to finish the beautiful fall day came the day of Sarah's first-ever athletic contest. She was so nervous that she was exhausted before her race even started. Finally, she and her teammates stood ready at the starting line, and the gun sounded, and they were off. She ran the first mile strong and fast with all the other runners, but the effort left her spent with a whole mile to go. She began to cramp up, to the point where she could not run upright, but rather she was kind of hunched over as she ran. She didn't quit. The pain got so bad that she started to cry. It's hard to breathe when you're crying. It's hard to run when you can't breathe. But she kept going. All the runners in Sarah's race had long since crossed the finish line when she suddenly came into view. The participants were already lined up for the next race when somebody said in near astonishment, look, there's another runner still coming. And the crowd migrated from the starting line to the finish line to witness this moving event. What a courageous girl, someone said quietly. Yes, I thought silently. What a courageous girl. When Sarah was close enough for us to see the pain in her eyes and the tears running down her face, we too started to cry. Her parents, her sister, her brother, her friends, even people who didn't know her, We all wept with her. Someone began to clap. We cheered through our tears. Sarah dropped to the ground as she crossed the finish line. Her teammates were there to congratulate and to console her pain. Her pain soon gave way to satisfaction and a great sense of accomplishment. What a moment. As parents, we many times share in the suffering of our children. But this was the first time I had witnessed one of my children choosing suffering as the required road to a higher goal. Choosing suffering as the higher road to a desired goal. Sarah said to herself, Sarah denied herself, Her body was saying, the flesh was saying, let's quit. This hurts. And Sarah said, I will not quit until I finish the race. Self control. Who doesn't want self control? Anybody want self control? You know, the person who wants to lose ten pounds would like self control until there's a piece of fried chicken and some french fries. (laughs) And then the self-control is gone. The alcoholic who wants to get off booze wants self-control unless, until there's a glass of beer and a glass of whiskey right there. Then self-control is gone. Someone trying to get over anger wants self-control. It doesn't always happen that they have self-control. I played golf this past week with a guy who was described to me by somebody else he's really angry and he throws his clubs. So I decided to watch him to see what he would do and he played along and he played pretty well and played pretty poorly and finally he made a bad shot and guess what he did? He threw his club. He ran out of Self-control. Self-control is hard. Saying no to yourself is hard. Denying yourself is hard. It's not natural. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because God's Spirit who is in us wants to help us with self-control in all things. To keep that rash from coming back. And along the way, there have to be victories. There have to be victories in self-control. Have you had any victories? I don't, want, don't raise your hand. Just want you to think. Have there been any victories in your life Where the Holy Spirit has helped you overcome something that you didn't like. If there have not been victories, you have not been fighting. Because if you're fighting and trying and denying yourself, there will be victories. And we'll fail. I fail. We pick ourselves up again, we ask forgiveness, and we keep on going. And life is a constant struggle with that. It's a constant struggle for self-control. And there are victories. There must be victories. And the Holy Spirit wants us to help, wants to help us to have those victories. The fruit of the Spirit. What God wants to accomplish in each one of us, you and me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the Christian life looks like.